Welcome to episode 17 of the Jack and Around Show, presented by Lone Star Dry Goods and hosted by two-time Academy of Country Music Award winner and 2022 Grammy nominee of Country Music Album of the Year, Jack Ingram. Here's a one-minute preview of today's episode, followed by a short, formal introduction of today's guest, arguably one of the best softball players in the history of the game, Kat Osterman. What's overthrow mean? You try too hard. Um, so it'd be like swinging a golf club too hard. Trying to necessarily hit a home run, swinging as hard as you can, not like. What would that be in music? I'd probably just jamming out when you don't need to. <laughs> <laughs> um, going a little too hard when you don't, when you just need to. Chill you just and need play to deliver the and, note. Yeah. I wanted to wait longer to ask you this. Okay. But it just comes to mind, like you're the greatest that's ever been. I mean, there's there's a couple pitchers that are um, older than me that I played with that could go. For, I mean, Lisa Fernandez is probably the best softball player ever. If you're the greatest has ever been, if you're Michael Jordan, if you're LeBron James, if you're Kobe Bryant, as a woman, what does it feel like to not be able to fucking cash that in? It's frustrating. I'll give you that. Um, you know, I think we work just as hard as our at our craft. And- Absolutely. The Jackin' Around podcast is brought to you by Lone Star Dry Goods, a collection of handcrafted quality goods with a truly unique Americana vibe. Visit the world headquarters in the heart of downtown Abilene, Texas, and Willow Park, Texas, near Fort Worth. And visit LoneStarDryGoods.com for more information. I'm show producer Matt Pivato. Today's guest, Kat Osterman, is a four-time All-American, three-time Olympian, including one gold medal and two silver medals, University of Texas alum, where she holds nearly two dozen softball records, and a Texas Sports Hall of Fame in Learn more about Cat Jack and the show in the description or show notes or by visiting jackandaroundshow.com where you'll also find the upcoming release schedule including links to all past episodes, audio, and video links. If you're new to the show, we release on Wednesdays, two to three episodes a month. Past guests include pitching great Roger Clemens, four-time world champion bull rider Tuff Hedeman, to country music recording artist Steve Earle, Bellamy Brothers, Ray Wally Hubbard, Steve Warner, Pat Green, and Wade Bowen. Finally, help us spread the word by hitting that like and subscribe button and giving us a nice big old five-star review. Here's episode 17. How does that... Hey, Kat. Yeah. Come on. Okay, but dude, the... Na- National anthem and, and where would we go to in Dallas? He sang it. Remember? Oh yeah, the NFR. Yeah. Last, Last year, year. You said you sang it. I text you after it. Probably don't remember. Where were we? Dallas, Dallas Cowboys. At the Ranger Stadium. New. Remember last year's NFR was at the Ranger Stadium. It wasn't. In you sang the national anthem. It was really good. That's fine. Not that you're not a good singer, but that was really good. It's one of my favorite things to do. Yeah. Because. Because when people tell you that it's good, mm-hmm. you, it's one of those moments where I go, because that's a, that's a thankless job. Yeah. Like, if it's good, it's supposed to be good. Right. But if you fuck it up. <laughs> if you forget the words. <laughs> then then uh, you're an asshole. Yeah. And so when people go, no, that's really good. I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah. It must be special. Yeah. That one, it was. I mean, I've heard a lot of national anthems. Don't get me wrong. Just you know what's funny? Sports, yeah. But. <laughs> Every game. Right. Yeah. It's funny because the way I figured out how to do it is because I sing it in. Uh, so it's in three, four. It's okay. in it's in waltz time. Yeah. Oh, say, can you see? Mm-hmm. One, two, three, one, two. And so 
I, I never liked it. And when I first start asked, started getting asked to do it, mm-hmm. I was like, why is this so hard? Felt like I was getting up in front of my seventh grade speech class. Yeah. <laughs> like, and so I just picked up a guitar and learned it as a songwriter. Oh, there you go. So I learned it the way I would, the you way I would have written it. That's cool. Yeah. And it's in 4-4. Four, four. That's awesome. I changed the time signature. Yeah. It was good. It was good. good. I'm glad. Thank you. It's I fun. Say, I don't know that anything in back in, I don't know, 05, 06, we were on tour and some guy straight up did it straight on his sax. And that was pretty freaking cool just to hear it only instrumental on a saxophone. Yeah. But I think too, because you don't hear a saxophone by itself very often. So like the whole stadium was just Not unless like, you play sax. Right. But <laughs> yeah, there's sometimes we go to events and people sing and I'm like, man, eh, that anthem was okay. Hey, so what's your, so you love Wade Bowen? I do like Wade. Well, <clears throat> let's go back. So I, uh, college was like obsessed. Because I hate him. You do. I'm kidding. <laughs> I was just saying, you're kidding because he, when he was. Oh, we went to your concert at uh or your performance at Freyheit. Yeah. Went at Freyheit, and where at Freyheit, New Braunfels, Freyheit, whatever. The, you got us tickets. Oh, the, that yeah, okay. that little during COVID thing. And yeah, that was one of the first <laughs> COVID performances. Yeah. And I think Wade had put something on his Instagram or something that he might go, and so then I texted him and was like, "Hey, are you coming?" He was like, "No, I, I got scared because of COVID." And I was like, "Come on now." And that's when he was like, but send him a shot for me. So we sent a shot up to the stage for you. But yeah, so college, I really liked Reckless Kelly. I still do. Um, oh, they're great. Got to know that. Well, they had invited me a couple of times before I actually played in the celebrity thing, but just always was gone playing. And then <clears throat> he's a big Texas country music guy. And so I started listening and I, I liked Wade's stuff. And then Wade was at that. And then our RBI function, like he um, donated and like. RBI. Um, nonprofit here in Austin that I work for. <clears throat> what is it? Um, so we give, um, we provide baseball and softball to the underprivileged kids. So like 10, 20 bucks a year. What does RBI play. mean? Um, reviving baseball inner cities. So it's, um, MLB's grassroots program, but most of them are affiliated with a city that has an MLB team. We're, we are one of the few that are not, so we're completely privately funded. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. But Wade came to our end of the year or our kickoff year gala fundraising gala one year and then that's where i talked to him somewhere and yeah i like him he's really good <laughs> he is i was, was impressed with his concert <laughs> i wasn't sure what to expect and but he was really good did you you went <clears throat> last week mm-hmm. green hall it, but you've been a fan for a while yeah 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 we went him and randy in at whitewater uh floors oh by the way floors she keeps referring to this dude over here. He's not on camera. He's not on camera. My husband. Say your name. Joey Ashley. Joey Ashley. Yeah. He's a golf coach at UTSA. UTSA. Are you are you undefeated? Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Just like the football team. <laughs> yes. yeah. yeah. But yeah, so we um we saw him and Randy at Floors and then I just like to follow all you guys. It's fun. And you play at like really cool venues that aren't the massive. That's, that's what's, that's probably what connects us. Is Yeah, that for sure. It was fun to follow you. Oh, thanks. Like when you were UT, 
I was living here. And it was just, it's just fun to follow something that's really working. Like, yeah. Like, I love following Tiger Woods. I like, I like following you. Like, things that just go the way they're supposed to go and, and that, that acknowledges through wins and losses. Like, in music, it's different because it's not wins and losses. It's about popularity. Right. And we all can go back to high school and realize popularity doesn't really <laughs> measure merit. Right. right. Yeah. But with sports, it's always been fun for me to to go, oh, that chick fucking rocks. That's awesome. That's cool. I appreciate that. Is that why you jumped behind the plate when Ricky was hitting? Yes. Like, hey, she knows what her, I'm safe. She knows what she's doing. Yeah. That that is why. Cause That's I, awesome. Like I think everyone else thought you were crazy, but <laughs> I was like, this chick knows what she's doing, man. How did you come about how did you come to find out that you knew you could be that technical? But also have a have a sense of feeling. Yeah, I think it took a while um, in the long process. I mean, I started playing. I loved it, but I wasn't necessarily that great at it. Um, I wasn't bad by any means, but I was, you know, average, kind of just with the with the group of girls that were learning. And um, but I always, unbeknownst to most, I was always actually smaller. I didn't grow till way later. So being smaller, I always was more focused on the technical aspects and like making sure I did things just right. So that way it was not perfect, but it was, but successful. you wouldn't be out of place. Right. Um, and then the older we got and, you know, slowly I started growing, everything kind of fell into place, but I think it was probably about my junior year of high school is when it was like, okay, I could, I could tell my dad what I felt like I did wrong before he had to tell me like, you know, <laughs> it's so I good. saw your chest fly open or whatever. And that's when I was like, no, I could feel that. And so I think like so you anything, knew what was wrong before somebody could right. correct you. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, about junior year of high school is when I feel like I kind of some people who were, you know, teammates and friends of mine were like, no, you were really good early before that. I'm like, not really in the grand scheme of things, but I think it was when. I could start to verbalize what was going on that I, I knew that was different because there were still girls that like had to have so, a coach. But as far as, so like basketball players mm -hmm. knew what was great because they saw Oscar Robertson or they saw Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, whatever. But as a softball player, as a girl, the, there wasn't really anything to – judge how great you were yeah off of like did you have heroes that were so i um i was fortunate when i was like 13 my dad took me to florida i had grandparents that lived in florida um and so we went to visit them but there was a softball camp um where an olympian named michelle smith who was the other kind of big left-handed pitcher michelle was kind of she was coming off the uh the 96 and 2000 olympics and it was a big deal to be able to to go work under her um, and I wanted to be like her just because she was a left-handed pitcher and I was a left-handed pitcher, but still the access to be able to 
see what she does was minimal because it wasn't on it's TV. It's not on TV. Yeah. College ball was rarely on TV. It was like once, twice a year before the World Series, and then the World Series would be on TV. But um, it's obviously grown now to where younger players can look and watch. and, and A little access. bit. But uh, tenfold compared to where I when I was playing. So at least now, I mean, you may have to go watch SEC Plus or – ESPN three or whatever, but, or um, FX1 but or yeah, you yeah. can, you can find it almost throughout the entire college season, which is great, but it's the stuff after. So like Olympics national team professionally, we're still fighting to get on TV, but, um, you know, my dad and I would record what was on TV and then I would go back and watch it and see if what I, what I was doing looked like what they were doing. And, um, you know, you see how often they throw strikes and try to mimic that and things like that. But yeah, it was, um, it was different because, you know, the boys on our street got to watch, anybody and everybody on tv and, and mimic that and you know that was back killer bees for the houston astros so you know all killer the, bees all the all the Bizio, boys yeah. who was it bgo bagwell uh derek bell was in there berkman came in there <laughs> there was a barry in there somewhere there was enough of them but you know everyone's imitating <laughs> jeff bagwell's stance and as a girl you didn't have anything to really imitate so you had to kind of figure it out and, and so as a girl do you mimic guys not really. I think when you like, is that a is that a conscious thought? No, not really. I mean, occasionally, I think when I was younger, we would look at men playing baseball um, for fielding, like just to try to be smooth and in the way they approach the ball and things. And and slowly over time, you kind of learn the differences between the game and how we don't have as much time as they do with with longer bases and things like that. But um, you know, no doubt, pitching you can't. Imitate hey, what, what's the deal with the shorter baselines? I think why ours, is that? I think ours is um, our whole field is shorter just to make it a quicker game. It's a little bit. I mean, reactions are a little bit faster in the infield. Do you wish they were longer? No, not really. I think we have a lot of like bang bang plays that keep the fans interested and engaged. I've had to, I and not reckless slow pitch game, but uh, Roger Clemens had a slow pitch game and we ran baseball like the ninety. That is far. That's that is too far. far. I get out of breath halfway through. Clements <laughs> is a trip. Yes. Yes. He's fun. Yes. It was a fun. That was a fun. That was my first Liberty game ever. And that we, was really we play, fun. I played golf with him one time. And um, I mean, we play golf often, but the, one of the first few times I hit the green in one. It was like a 300 mm -hmm. yard par four. And I got a bogey. So I, I guess I four putted, and then I get to the next the next tee, and he goes, "I go, God damn it!" He goes, "What's wrong?" And I, I go, "Man, I can't believe I, I did that. I can't believe I bogeyed that hole." He goes, "That was years ago, like that whole short memory yep. thing." Yep, pitcher's best friend, short term memory. <laughs> Unless it was good, then you want to hold on to it. <laughs> right, but it was so funny to me. I go, but wow, that's strange. You're like, years ago, I thought it was like about 45 seconds. <laughs> I thought it was like, like a minute ago. <laughs> I'm still pissed. He's like, get rid of it. Yeah. You have to have a short-term memory or be able to reset real fast. Um, I don't know that I necessarily had a short-term memory where I let, completely let go of it, um, but I could reset and go after the next pitch and then – once the inning, our half inning was over, go in and like rehash what happened and figure out, you know, was it a sequencing? Was it just a bad pitch? Um, what is that? Is it things. a, a – do you remember the muscle 
a lot of sequence times. or what is it? Um, well, different. So it can be a mechanical thing. So it could be, you know, body got off. Maybe I stepped wrong. Um, just timing didn't click. Um, I can usually feel when like I release too late or too early. Um, I try occasionally I'll overthrow. So I try to throw too hard and then my ball. What's overthrow mean? Um, essentially like the best way to put it is you, you try too hard. Um, so it'd be like swinging a golf club too hard, trying to necessarily hit a home run and swinging as hard as you can, not like. What would that be in music? I'd probably just jam it out when you don't need to. (laughs) 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 Um, Going a little too hard when you don't, when you just need to. You just need to deliver the note. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So it would, you know, occasionally that happens. Just, I'm not a super hard thrower, but if I overthrow, then the ball doesn't break like it should. And and occasionally that'll. Oh, so in softball. So are you. In softball is in baseball, it's hundred miles per hour. Mm-hmm. In softball, yeah. is that is that the same? Is it is it is it quick? Is it fast? A fast pitch or is it? Because I remember when yeah. the, your pitch was coming to me. How many of them were you seeing? First of all, <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, when you really threw the pitch, it was it was coming like. Like it was 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 moving. Yeah. So similar to baseball, I mean, you can have your hard throwers. Um, You can have your, you know, Randy Johnson esque hard throwers that have a little bit of hit that bird. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That was awesome. That was. I still can't believe that actually happened. The timing has to be so incredible for that. Um, That, That's why there's a God. Yeah. For real. Um, (laughs) Even if that is kill a bird. Right. So you have your Randy Johnson-esque, and some pitchers can get up there between 65, 70 miles an hour. Um, and then What's which, yours? I'm about 63 to 64. So I'm kind of more be your equivalent to Greg Maddox, like movement, spots, just enough speed, um, but doesn't necessarily blow it by you all the time. Um, but we'll get you out on. on How did you figure that out? Trial and error, kind of. Um I never really did. Again, I was never, I was never a big kid. I might've been tall, but I was always very thin. And so it's not like I had a ton of muscle on me to be able to wear back and throw 70. Um, But at the same time, my dad and I always focused on the small things, having the correct spin, having enough spin. And so over time I could see the ball moving and then just trial and error in practice, but at the same time noticing in games when I do overthrow, like, oh, the ball doesn't move. Okay, I don't need to try that hard then. I need to figure out what's the perfect, similar to, oh, I get it. you know, just what's the perfect rhythm for me to be able to perform, you know, so like I can throw a curve ball or a draw ball. Um, we throw rise balls. I don't, physics will tell you it doesn't really rise, but it at least tails up a little I've bit. I've seen that. Right. Yes, you have. You've seen that and caught that one. <laughs> <laughs> The impressive part is you caught it. Uh, I did. I fell over backwards, but I caught it. Yeah. Um, but just knowing how your ball breaks, where do you want it to end? And um, making sure you focus on whether it's your eyes focusing on where you want it to start. So that way it ends there. Or for me, I just always am going straight to where I want it to end and letting my like my body, my snap, everything take me to that point. But yeah, I mean, I think especially your Pitchers, you know, Greg Maddox-ish, myself, like, who don't throw incredibly hard, you have to be able to almost pinpoint it on a dime in order to be successful. Because that's what makes you even better is the fact that you can 
hit that spot, but then if they swing and miss, now you can hit this spot and like slowly step it out or go lower or higher. And make them think that it's coming to this mm-hmm. one spot. Yep. yep. It's a whole mind game. It's fun. Okay, so I wanted to wait longer to ask you this. Okay. <laughs> but it just comes to mind like you're the greatest that's ever been. I appreciate that. <laughs> right? I'm right, right? I mean, there's there's a couple pitchers that are um, older than me that I played with that could go – I mean, Lisa Fernandez is probably the best softball player ever. But she's also a two-way player, so. If you're the greatest has ever been, if you're Michael Jordan, if you're LeBron James, if you're Kobe Bryant, if you're Derek Jeter, which – who I don't think is the greatest has ever been. <laughs> Sorry. I'm not a Yankees fan, so you're not hurting my feelings. <laughs> but as a woman, what does it feel like to not be able to fucking cash that in? It's frustrating. <laughs> I'll give you that. Um, you know, I think we work just as hard as our at our craft. And, Absolutely. And it doesn't – I shouldn't say it doesn't matter. It matters to our fans. They, they care deeply about, like, what we're able to do. But just on the other side of it to where – sponsors corporate america all that just don't want to get behind it why i don't know some people say our sport's too young but i'm like we've been playing it for a long time so i don't i don't buy that um the women's college world series for softball got higher ratings than the women call or the baseball world series (laughs) seriously yes it did if if the if if softball had more yeah cats if it's a it's a weird deal like it is i'm all for it like i'm obviously all for you I go, it goes, it's a, it's a two way street, which is hard. Um, so like I always approached professional softball with the fact that like, it was my job, regardless of what I was getting paid or how few months of the year it was like, that's, that was my job. And I wanted to be really good at it. At the same time, there are other athletes who want to do that, but because they don't get paid enough, they have to do another job during the year. So it's like, you can't train like a professional athlete while you're. Did you have additional income? Like, did you have. Um, so I did want a really good job of saving. I had a couple sponsorships, but then I always went into coaching. And so when I was coaching, it allowed me time to be able to train the way I needed to as well. Um, and I was able to make that time and had great bosses that understood that, you know, there were times that I may take a break from my lunch break might be two hours cause it's going to be an hour of lifting and conditioning and then lunch. Um, and, and they were okay with that. And I was very blessed in that part, but, you know, there's some athletes who don't want to go into coaching and so they find another job and then you're not really a, a professional softball player. You're a whatever your job is plus, oh, I go play professional softball in the summer. So until that changes. Until that changes, it's going to be hard. Yeah, man. Yeah. I always told friends of mine that were musicians, I was like, until you dive in. Right. <laughs> like, you can't really. You can't, have an, you can't have another job. Yeah, you can't be. You can't serve two masters. Right. Yeah. You can't have your attention and your your dedication split to two things. And Ever. I think that's what, I mean, you look at male athletes, they don't have to go do anything else. Off-season off <laughs> is off-season. <laughs> Off-days are off-days. The funny part is, like, like guys that go, like, the, the dudes that are on the football team at a they don't go to school. <laughs> They're supposed to. <laughs> But they don't. Let's be honest. I mean, I 
I still have football players in class on occasion. <laughs> I had a rest, rest his soul, but I had a class with Cedric Benson and the teacher pointed out every time that he was in class. I was like, he might get tired of this. That's funny. But what happened to him? Uh, motorcycle accident, I believe two or three years ago here in Austin. I had some buddies who played private parties for him. Yeah. Who said it, it wasn't the accident. <laughs> yeah. He, he was on a collision course. That's the unfortunate part though, about sports sometimes is their identity, our identity. I mean, I've been through it. I've just been able to navigate it a little bit. And again, as a female athlete, sometimes it's easier to navigate because we do have to have other things going on in our life in order to be able to be professional. But they're so identified by their sport that when that ends, they don't know what to do sometimes. I've, I've dealt with that. Yeah, I could see. I mean, it's probably big in the music industry too. Well, know? it's just one of those things where you go, if you get tired of playing music. What else are you going to do? Go hunt? Play some golf? <laughs> yeah, play golf. I'm, yeah. Not, I'm not good enough at golf to be to, to, to get to where I have gotten musically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. It is. Well, and then. I don't know about you, but for me, like, I'm not good at golf at all. So when people are like, oh, you're going to pick up golf? Because obviously my husband's in the golfing world. I'm like, uh. I love it that you keep coming into the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, there's no way. I'm not good enough at it to enjoy it. Like, I think when you're so good at something, like, you expect yourself to constantly be. Well, the whole deal for me is, has always been with golf, because my brother was great at golf. And I do what I do with music. Is that. That thing where this is important. Yep. And this <laughs> can, can ruin you. Can ruin you. And so that whole idea, that's why I like talking to you. That's why I like thinking about Tiger Woods. That's why I like thinking about Michael Jordan. Is that the greatest in the world have figured out how to come to this naturally and make it happen. Yep. Every time. Yeah. Like every time. It's crazy. I couldn't, I can't hit the still ball with a right, but, club. But, and but you that. can pitch. But I can throw it. Yep. And you can, and you can say that it's going to hit right here. That, that's, I've never, I don't think I've done that in my life. You but, can though. You do things musically that none of us would be able to do. <laughs> it's just amazing to me. Like greatness is is something that I'm just enamored with. It's a cool concept. I mean, one being being in it and the fact that like I know what I can do with a softball and how I've essentially in my mind come as close to I'm going to as perfecting my craft. But then reading about it and reading you know, whether it's musicians or artists or, you know, someone winning the Nobel Peace Prize for research or whatever, like greatness on so many different levels and so many aspects is just, it's crazy how people get there, but essentially it's a very similar path so you, for everyone. Do you see it in Wade? Yeah. I love you for a certain, I mean, you aren't, you guys aren't good at what you do simply because you picked up a guitar and thought it was fun. 
I mean, it might have initiated that way, but then you guys obviously put in the hours to be able to perform, not just perform, but write, create, perform, and then at the same time know that, you know, like like athletes, there's judgment at the end of it, and you have to be able to filter what's important to you and what's not while you continue on this path to trying to create, whether it's the next next biggest hit or, you know, changing a song up. Can't be about hits. No, okay. Like Next you. important song. Let's put it that way. Yeah, like because your a song can be important to you, and maybe again, popularity might not be there, but for whatever reason, it was. So my job is a lot like yours. In that, so I had one job that was making hits, and there are that's like being a professional baseball player. Yeah, like you can get a hundred and fifty million dollar contract or whatever. Right. But the other part of my job was being great. Being great at making music. That at just whatever the music I make mm-hmm. is. And the ironic part is that there's there's not as much money over here. Right. <laughs> just right. like you. Like yeah. being a being being the best softball player in the world had no payback. No, I mean, it's led to a pretty good life, but in the concept of, you know, your bank account, no. But at the same time. But Scherzer or whatever his name is just signed the $130 million deal. (laughs) I think. Like, that's not happening for you. No, I saw a graphic today that, like, broke it down to however much he was making per at bat, per inning, per hour. And it was, like, $82 a minute or something. And I was was talking to Johnny Bench one time. And um, we had just met. uh, It's the first time I met Clemens. Okay. And some dude, some kid came up and asked Johnny Bench for his autograph. And Johnny Bench goes, no. No, I won't sign that. And I was like, in my job, you're like, you sign everything. Right, right. (laughs) And he goes, and I looked at him like, what the fuck? He goes, hey, man, I know it's weird. But that guy's going to go back to his car, change shirts, come back, get me to sign another ball. And then when they asked me to come to a signing thing at right. some show, they won't pay me 10 grand. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, that guy we just met, Clemens, he made $85,000 a pitch last year. And I was like, he goes, dude, when I won NL... MVP, I made 85 grand. Period. Period. Right. (laughs) Like, he just goes, it's just a different game. And like. Well, that's what I was, we were talking about, um, like, same thing, access to athletes and like autographs and using our image in places. And that's where I said, I was like, you know, if I was on a million dollar contract, I wouldn't really care if the league went ahead and made these new NFT online graphics and things like that. But when I'm only making 20 grand, maybe on a good year, like, yeah, I need all that. I need everything else to help me <laughs> right. raise the rest of my income. And so I think, yeah, I mean, I could see that. It's it's the autograph world is a whole different beast because he's right. There will be people that either go and change or they use kids. And you don't realize before it's like the third time that you're like, wait, I'm pretty sure I already signed for that kid. <laughs> and then you watch him and he runs up to some guy and puts a ball in a bag and grabs another one. And you have next time down. you. Have to so how do you, I know I've already, I've already asked this, but 
It does intrigue me. How do you stay cool about all this? Like the fact that you're the best. And don't write me off. <laughs> but you're the best that's ever been. But the- I am talking to Tiger Woods. <laughs> like that's the fact. I'll t- okay. I won't write you off. So how, so how do you, how are you not pissed off? Well, because I've seen it, even though it's it's incrementally and it's very small, I've seen it grow a decent amount um, to where, you know, I was having teammates that were making $500 for a whole summer. And I'm just like, that's not right. I mean, if we could blow $500 in one night if we have an off weekend. You know, I've seen it grow, but at the same time, it didn't. I didn't try to perfect my craft or get really good at it because I thought it was gonna make me money. If that makes sense. No, it no. was. It was. So I, I did it first, and I think like most female athletes, you get into it, and then you realize, oh, this can pay for college. Cool. And then I got in college, and I and I like anything. I go head first. I'm intense. And then I saw an Olympic dream be able to be, you know, lived. And then after that, it was like, well, shoot, why not keep playing this as long as I can? Um, and I've seen it grow enough to know we're on a very, very slow incline. Um, but it's growing enough that, you know, I, I can't. Don't get me wrong. There's days I get frustrated. There's there's moments where it's like you see, I don't know, you just see some stats run across the line and a guy is signing, you know, even if it's a $3 million contract and you're just like, God, those like don't compare um, to what some of the numbers some of the softball players have put up, but yet we get pennies compared to that. And pennies. So, um, so it's frustrating, but at the same time, I've I've learned to figure out how to live my life as, as a professional athlete, but still be able to financially um, support myself, like with whether it's other jobs or as we're talking about, you know, appearances, autographs, whatever it is, um, to where. I'm not necessarily lamenting in the fact that I only get paid, you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars a year for playing softball. Like the fact that I get that opportunity and be able to be a role model and be an example and and help push the sport along for the next generation. Like I hope that if my stepdaughter decides to keep playing softball, that by the time she's playing professionally, like it's a better a better situation. Um, if it's not, then then I'll be really mad because that's a lot of time in between that it should have. Could you have played baseball? I don't think so. I never was. I never, I, other than playing wiffle ball in the cul-de-sac with the boys growing up, like I never was interested in. Did you kick their ass? No, I was pretty average at that too. I was competitive (laughs) as hell though. Like they'll, they'll all tell you like, I didn't, I don't like to lose. So I raised a fit if a play was close or anything like that. But, um, no, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I never had an interest to try. Like some of my teammates played growing up before they switched to softball, and I just never had the. I remember girls playing baseball. Yeah, I have a couple of teammates that yeah, that's what they did until probably middle school, high school. I had a, I had a, uh, I I don't remember her name, so she probably wasn't really a friend. <laughs> but but I do remember a girl that, and it was so redneck in my neighborhood that. They made her stop playing catcher because she wasn't wearing a cup. 
Can you imagine? No. Especially the neighborhood baseball. Like, but I got a triple. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So tell me what it's like to play in the Olympics. It's like how is how is that? It's really cool. Um, you know, I think well, in talking about you playing the national anthem, like that's a song that represents our whole country. You know what I mean? And we get to go do do that, represent our whole country in probably the biggest event that sport has for us. And um, it's kind of crazy because like, it's one of those things that happens once every four years and don't get me wrong. We're in a stadium, obviously not this year in 21, but in 04 and 08 full of, full of people. Um, The crazy part is that it's not always, it's not like, I think people assume it's divided. Like if U S and Japan are playing, then the fans are half American and half Japanese. And that's like, not the case. There's a mix of, whoever got tickets to softball and sometimes it's oh wow yeah it's a very um diverse group of of fans which is cool but do they choose a side eventually they will i think um i think the coolest part about softball especially in especially in japan so this time was we didn't have fans but you just even the workers that were there they like good softball so they may be pulling for japan but like if the united states or another country makes a great play like they cheer like they just love good softball. So you can good plays, good pitches, great at bats, things like that. They're always kind of cheering for the sport. And then obviously if they score, they they go get a little bit louder. But um, but it's really cool. It's cool to be on that global stage with our sport. Um, but at the same time, like opening ceremonies might be the coolest experience. Why? Because um, it's not the coolest experience for, for the fans. No. and It's kind of boring. And even for the athletes, the first part, I mean, we sit in a hold, I say a holding cell, like a gymnasium or something for a couple hours before we get to walk out there. But you walk out into a stadium full of, again, a hodgepodge of, of fans of, of every country um, mixed in. And they're cheering for every athlete regardless. I mean, obviously, if they um, are – with a country, they're going to cheer louder for that country. But still, like, as everyone walks in, it is just a madhouse of this track stadium, like, screaming. And I remember we were walking around, and every time we saw an American flag, like, we didn't we didn't know who it was. But we were waving like they were our best friends. Um, and just walking in in that element and seeing how many athletes across the world are in the stadium at that point in time. And that's not even all of them, because some of them yeah. don't come over till later, depending on when their event is. So, like, you still have – huge amount of athletes who are all there for one purpose and that's to celebrate obviously to win but to celebrate our sport to celebrate sport and the world coming together to right, do to sport. Celebrate sport and it's um it's pretty incredible and then to walk around the village and you know it's see funny amazing me athletes. talking to you because i have an interest in you just for whatever reason like i always knew when you won a game i knew when you threw no hitter I just always did. But the guy who does the rifle, shoot, yeah. the, rifle the rifle thing, like yeah. he's the best at what he does too. Yeah. She's the best at what she does too. Like, yeah. It's amazing to me because the things that I've focused on are when you're the best, you win championships mm-hmm. and everybody knows. And talking to you, it's like, 
well, not everybody knows right. about Cat. And even less know about the rifle guy. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. but they're just as good at what they do as, as you are at what you do. Yeah. No, they are. And I think that's the cool part, too. Like, especially within our – usually all of the U.S. athletes are within one or two buildings of each other. And so you start to run into people and talk to people. And, you know, if you go to lunch when your team – not necessarily the whole team's going, sit with other athletes and start to get to know them. Oh, you and do? You can, yeah. Yeah, so over the course of my time with the national team, um, I actually met one of our – the United States best archers, Brady Ellison. Um, I met him when he was super young getting into the sport. <coughs> he was out at the training center and I just got to know him and, um, it was cool cause I got to see him now probably 10, 12 years later in, um, in Tokyo and he was shooting and that's his third or fourth Olympics and he's going to try to go for two more. So it's here in LA. And so he knows he's going for two more. He knows he's in for eight more he knows, years. Yeah. He knows he could. And it's just fun to see, you know, like you said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have ever paid attention to archery. Um, in Tokyo if I hadn't met Brady way back when, but, um, and just even, you know, we get our, so immediately did, did, did you understand? I still don't understand his sport. Don't get me but wrong. But the technique. But I can, but you know, you're supposed to hit the bullseye. So I watch for that. <laughs> <laughs> you're supposed to hit the yeah. bullseye. But so. he was like talk cause so in Tokyo, we, um, every Olympics, we USA has kind of an offsite training center, normally at a university or a school of oh, some wow. sort that they've rented out. So we had an offsite to where like they went to the track and they got to shoot across the track, but we, there was a softball field that we practiced at, but, um, the whole ride to the offsite training, him and I are talking and he's talking to me about like two different types of shooting and bows and this and that. And I'm just like, foreign foreign language here bud <laughs> like i know you're supposed to try to hit the target like the bullseye but what else there's ways to hit the target yeah but then to watch them practice it's like they get up there and they do the same thing you know they obviously steady themselves they just get up there and it's shoot, amazing and it's, yeah it's crazy bam yeah it's crazy but. so my producer Matt, so they give 500,000 condoms. That's what, okay. That's what they say. I have never seen, like people act like they're in bowls just all over the village. I've never seen them in bowls all over the village, but I do believe it because once, once sports start to get finished, like you can tell who's coming in from a night of partying or, you know, you see couples from different countries all of a sudden hanging out in the cafeteria and, and, and whatnot. So, um, is that a, like the social scene is a, is a thing. It's at, a thing. It's a thing. Is I mean, it fun of, to watch? Yeah. Yeah. It's fun to watch sometimes. And it depends. So I will say like each village gets to set up how it wants. And so like there was one time at Pan Am's, like it had a discotheca. That's what it was. It was our club. There discotheca. Was a, there was a discotheca in our village. And so, yeah, even softball, when we were done with our Pan Am games, we went and we went and had a night out in the discotheca. I mean, it's right there in the village, so you're protected. It's not like you're going off-site. But, right. you know, um, there's social areas where everyone can, like, hang out, whether it's the cafeteria, the, the little kind of our – where we like, And do they get off like we're getting off, like, where it's like, hey, man, you're the best. Sometimes. I mean, I will not deny in 04, 08, I don't know, Federer and Nadal walked right by us and it was just like <laughs> jaw drop, like <laughs> that's that, that, that's them. But Federer, 
But everyone and lets Nadal them. are no different than you. That's 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 what I'm talking about. Like, well, I think that's the cool part is they're no different. So they can live in the village and they get to, you know, don't get me wrong. I think people stop them at certain points when it's appropriate and probably ask for pictures and autographs. We didn't. But, you know, this last one, Tokyo, Yao Ming was there because he was coaching the, the China team. And I don't know how many people actually recognized him, but I sure did. I was like, holy cow, that's Yao Ming. Like, do you remember the first night he played for the Rockets? Yeah. And he had, what, 43 points or something? Something crazy like that, yeah. <laughs> it's he like, is he is a very tall man. Yes. He is a, yeah, he was coming down the escalator as I was going up, and I was just like, oh. I was like, hey. And, of course, my younger teammates, he had probably finished playing before they really paid attention they didn't to the know. NBA. I'm like, you know who that is? That, that, that stuff to me is just amazing where you go. Yeah. At one point, now – or before he was the best there yeah. ever was. Yep. And that was a, for his was a small window. Yeah. But yeah, still. But still he, I mean, to be the best at anything for a certain period of time, I think a lot of people would give to know what that feels like. Just to be I, in that I wish there was a way in music to know if that's the case. To know if you're the best. Yeah. Cause because delusionally. Well, who would you say is the best country artist? That that's I don't know. Miranda, right. she's great. I was gonna say, how do you how do you define it? Because again, like you were saying, there's hits, which defines your monetary success probably more than anything. Yeah. And then there's just being great. Yeah, there's John Prine, there's Bob Dylan. There's like in my world, it's funny. Like I have to think I'm the best to 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 do it. Right. <laughs> like. Right. You don't go on stage thinking, "Oh man, my show's going to be second rate tonight." Right. You have to. You have to think <clears throat> you're the best, which I guess is the same with athletics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just there's a number at the end of the game that you can go. I threw a no hitter. Right. And I can go, I think I was good. <laughs> the ovation was loud and I got an encore. Maybe. Check. <laughs> yeah. So what is it like to get your number retired? That was, um, that's a, like, I hate to say a dream come true, but it's a dream come true. Um, I don't, but at the same time I look back and it's not like when I started at Texas in my head, I said, oh, by the time I leave here, my number should be retired. Like it wasn't my thought going in. Um, you know, of course I like looked at our record book and I wanted to <clears throat> break our records and, and things like that. But, um, it's pretty cool. Um, especially knowing that, you know, I think again, you differentiate male and female athletics and you hear about men getting their jerseys retired all the time you know, regardless of if, whether it's professionally or at their college, like, and so for females, like that's such a big moment. Um, and it, it was, it was a, how many, a dream come true. how many females are there at Texas right now? Three. So, um, I was the third, the first was Cami Etheridge who played on the national championship, uh, basketball team. And then there's another basketball player and it's not who I keep thinking it's a net Smith night, but it's not her. 
it's somebody else and I can't think of her name at the time, but there's a second basketball player um, who got hers retired as well. They went chronologically right? of who should, who should get it. And so, um, but I was just, I mean, I almost cried on the football field just because to finally see like the name up there on the wall. And, and I know like a lot of fans and such have pushed for it too. And so it wasn't just something that like, I thought would be cool and it happened like a lot of people were were pushing for it so it was really cool to see um but yeah dream come true i wish i they did me in houston street at the same time like they retired both of ours by the way he's fucking crazy he's awesome <laughs> we were in school at the same time so um <laughs> he's insane there's such a him him and i's relationship is really <laughs> cool in the fact like there was just such mutual admiration for what we did to, like at school at the same time right but you're sane <laughs> i'm i think i'm just <laughs> i'm just a lot tamer than most people <laughs> that, that dude he's great um he's great yeah but there was just such a mutual admiration that we both went to the pan am games together and got to share that experience and just like the conversations we've had over the years knowing Kind of what each other was going through as far as being, you know, kind of the name for the baseball team, the softball team, and things like that. Um, but it was cool to share. He, he okay, didn't get Houston, to be there, but. I love you. I think you're fantastic. And I know you're an all star and you're a badass. There's a difference. He played professionally just as long. I get it. His bank account's a lot bigger than mine. He made a lot more money. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny to me because I, I can't understate it or overstate it. Like when I look at you, I go, I'm sitting here with the best that's ever been. Thanks. Like that's a trip. And Houston's great. And he's an all-star. No, he's an I, get, all -pro. I get what you're saying. But it, but there's a, there's a difference. It's like, it's hard for me. Who would you put in that category in music? George Strait. Okay. Um, George, if you're hearing this, I would love to meet you one day. Yeah. Bob Dylan. That's another good one. So here's the thing. Willie Time Nelson out. is my Can hero. Can I ask you a question? On the female side of things, this is really serious. We just saw her in concert. So I'm, do you put Reba up there on the female side of things with George? Do you? I don't I don't know. Well, after watching them both perform, yes. But is it because of the number of hits? Or is no, it it's never this? it's never because of the number of hits. Because they both perform similar in the fact that there's not a lot of Reba has a little bit more lights in a Flair. show behind her. Just a little bit, not a lot. Because she's a chick. Right. And, you know, she has the movie go when she plays fancy and all that. Um, while George. Give me one. Yeah. I, every, so good. If anyone loves Reba, you love that song. Um, while George stands with his guitar and rotates three or four microphones. To so play it's never the about stadium. the number of hits or how big the hits were. We talked about that earlier. Yeah. Like, I don't think popularity has anything to do with talent. Okay. I mean, it does. But yeah. Talent has... Talent I think too, a, though they have to have some talent for those two to to absolutely still be performing right now. Yes, Reba and withstand. Reba's time. right up there, along with Dolly. But yeah. okay, but if Dolly and Reba, oh, who do you choose? Oh, 
I think I'd have to go with Dolly. <laughs> Me too. I think I'd have to. I think that would be a hundred percent. Yeah. I think there would be. Yeah. And so sorry, Reba. Right. But that's the deal. Yeah. Dolly's the one. Her story's kind of crazy. I was listening to a podcast about her. I think and like she, her younger years, obviously. Oh, yeah. With, I don't remember, whatever show she was on and the guy that she got. Porter Wagner? Probably, yeah. Where she was the duet partner? Yeah. And then when she wanted to separate, she like, he sued her. Well, and she wrote, and I yeah. will always yep. love you. That song's her like. That's her staple. big song. And that was her. She wrote, wrote for that him. for him going. Yep. Sorry, dude, I'm leaving you. I'm I'm bigger than you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just listened to a podcast about that. It was pretty cool. So what what's your stake in music? Like, how did you get to be such a music fan? Um, I think just, to be honest, going to softball games or softball, like, <laughs> practicing games, my dad and I always listened to country radio. Um, and I got to, you know, just – I would listen, and my singing is terrible, so don't ever – Ask me to sing. I will break everyone's eardrums. But, um, you know, I was. Can you sing or not? No, not at all. Um, I sing in the car with the radio as loud as possible, so I can't even hear myself. <laughs> really? Yeah, my theory is that everybody can sing. No. Some of us do not have any type of musical inclination whatsoever. Because <laughs> I can pitch. You can. <laughs> not well, but you can. That's right. I can say the words. I don't know that you would call it singing. Um, all right. And then I think just in college, um, I had a eclectic group of, of friends. I had my softball players and had a couple friends that were just students that I had met. And um, they liked, you know, they liked music. And I would tag along. That was when I first got introduced to Reckless Kelly. We went to a concert because one of them were really big fans. And that's when I was like, oh, I like their music. So then, you know, you just I, I started to follow them. And then I, I kind of just found my way around. But you were into Music that's not on the radio. Yeah, well, I think, you that's know. That's a different kind of deal. Like, you kind of have to right. have a real interest. Yeah. Well, I think, like I said, it started with being introduced to Reckless Kelly. Um, we, uh, what's the, was over off seven, uh, Midnight Rodeo when it was open. Um, Honey Brown played there. Where? Midnight Rodeo. It's down off towards the airport, kind of. I think oh, it's, it's now airport. it's now closed. It closed down. It was over by a catfish. Used parlor. to be uh, Waltz across Texas. When I was in school, it was called Midnight Rodeo. Yeah. Well, when I was in school, there you go. <laughs> um, but you know, we would go sometimes. Some evenings we'd go there, and not that I two step, but everyone we'd listen to whoever was playing, and um, you know, and then I've just I've had friends that same thing. They they listen to the music that's not on the radio, and so I would you know obviously. Back in the day with Napster and everything when you would steal music from people. <laughs> um, Thank you. Down <laughs> download music. You're welcome. <laughs> um, you know, you would download that music or you'd go you'd, you know, go to the concert, buy the CD. Hey, did it sounds you, such did a foreign you, concept? Did you get to go to those places and be anonymous? Sometimes it was hard to go. Well, I never went down to like Sixth Street without I mean, but again, what when you're going to Sixth Street as as athletes at Texas. And so it was never, you know, you didn't go down without someone knowing who you were or, or running into your group. And of, once of athletes, that happened, so. did, was the night over for you? Not really. I mean. Or were you cool with it? 
I'm okay with it. I mean, I, I will admit I'm, I'm a fairly tame person. So it's not like it was like, oh, someone recognized me. I got to go in case, in case I get drunk or whatever. Like I, just not my cup of tea to be going crazy wild and I'm not dancing on bars or in things like that. So yeah, uh, obviously, but, well, you know, there's some people we've mentioned who might've been dancing on bars, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, no, I mean, I also think to a certain degree as a softball player at Texas, it was kind of cool. You know, everyone knows who the football team is and if baseball's winning, they know who baseball is and, and that kind of thing. And so, um, so what years was, was it? So I when played, were you in school? 0203 Olympics was 04 so I redshirted that year and then 0506 so really 0206 so you were there in the when, height of everything when it, they were winning the championships mm-hmm. by they I mean the football team yeah so baseball won two um football won a Rose Bowl and then the national championship <laughs> um both basketballs went to the final four and you were kicking ass and we went to the World Series three times so that's funny because and so, of course, swimming and diving, we're doing what they always do. Yeah, man. She's Carol. It's crazy. Cavatani is. Was she there then? Mm-mm. No, she's a little bit older. She's older. Um, but men's swimming won at least two or three titles while I was there. So it was just four. I guess that's what. That's the cool thing about Texas athletics. And you want to talk about Olympics is like, I met more of our Texas athletes over in foreign soil than I did on campus. Really? Yeah. I ran into Aaron Pearsall and Brendan Hansen. Um, I had already known. What did Pearsall do? Was he? Swimmer. No, I know that. Was he breaststroke? No, Brendan is the breaststroke, um, like reigning champion forever. I think, um, I think Aaron was freestyle and backstroke. And then Ian was Butterfly. I had already met Ian. I had had class with Ian. But um, I met Aaron and Brendan for the first time over in Athens. Like, we were all walking in the cafeteria. <laughs> and they turned around and they stopped. And, like, we were walking. And I was walking with some teammates. And I was like, anybody know who these guys are? And then they were like, hey, Kat. And I looked. And I recognized them once we got closer. And that was Aaron's joke. He's like, crazy. We have to travel, um, like, 4,000 miles or something in order to finally meet. Do you, like, do you think your name has something to do with just how identifiable you are? cat it might have you ever thought about that not really i mean now that you make me think about it a little bit but it's yeah short identifiable it's not it's not something a lot of people go by i mean it's short for Catherine. i think in junior high there were people think i'm crazy but there were like eight of us that had some type of ck name and there were at least four of us that had there was a Catherine with a k me with a c we had a kathy (laughs) and we had a kathleen and we had something else. And I, so they looked at me and was like, yours was with this, your cat. I'm like, okay, whatever. Uh, okay. And then we went to high school and freshman basketball. Um, someone called me that one day and the freshman coach looked and was like. Were you good at basketball? Uh, I was pretty good. It was my first love. I played basketball my, from third grade all the way through high school. Would you have been great at anything you did? Honestly, just like think about it for a second. I don't know if I can say I would have been great at anything I did, but I would have worked just the same. Would you have gone to UConn? No. <laughs> Might have gone to U of H. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure? I, I'm pretty, I am positive I, to know I would not have gone to UConn or Tennessee. Um, I wasn't bad. I, I played against some of, so it's funny, some of the girls that came to Texas, I actually played high school basketball against. <laughs> and when they would, I'd go to games all the time because I loved basketball. Um, 
And even their parents would be like, man, you should have kept playing basketball. I'm like, okay, but softball's, I bet you but softball's taken I me bet, a, man, a much I'm, I'm, I'm bigger trajectory. Call bullshit. Um, but I loved basketball and I worked hard at it. And there was just a point where softball, I realized, was just what I really wanted to do past past high school. And so, um, but yeah, I, I loved playing basketball. I and did you think about it? Like, did you think about, because I know as a, as a high school kid, I would have thought, okay, if I... I'm good at both of these and there's a pro basketball circuit and there's not a pro softball circuit. And I would have, I would, I know I would have thought about that. I think, did you think about that? No, not that in that realm. Um, I did think at certain periods of before recruiting really started, like to, can I play both? But then you think about it and you know, basketball goes into March. Well, softball starts in February. You can't really play both when right, they overlap can't. for two months. And um, you can't just in general. Right. <laughs> right. No. Um, and so, but then, you know, I think the same time, um, just in, in club. So I was I only played high school basketball. I didn't play club basketball. So I think that was kind of my deciding factor. Well, back then like, club basketball wasn't really you could play AAU in the summer, girls, but it wasn't, wasn't it wasn't great. as big. Yeah. Um, but still I wasn't playing anything but high school. And so that's when my dad was like, Well, if you, you know, we need to make if you, if basketball is what you want to do, then we need to change our extracurricular activities. And I was like, No, I like playing high school and um Was your dad big? My dad's uh six four. No, I mean big. In your in thinking. my yes, so my dad. Well, my dad was big in me being into sports in general. That's what I mean. Um, he didn't. I will say, like, he didn't. He wasn't a dictator, push, 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 push type. Um, but if I showed interest, he was going to explore all options. Um, and that's how pitching came about. I had actually played softball and quit. Played soccer for about three and a half, four years, and then was bored as heck with soccer because I was a goalie and. If your team's good, you're really bored. So <laughs> yeah, um, you get like one or two plays a game, right? So I think my team, my team must have been pretty good because I was like, guys, I'm st- I'm literally standing here for three hours on a Saturday afternoon doing nothing. Um, so I was like, I don't want to do soccer anymore. And my dad was like, Well, why don't you try softball again? Um, so I did, and I we played little league, nothing super competitive, and uh, you know, just like anything, there's pitching rules, and so the pitchers had used up their innings for the week. And they said, hey, we need someone to try it. And I offered to try it. And I fell in love with it from like the second. And I asked my dad for pitching lessons for my birthday. And wow. Yeah. He, you know, he was like, if that's what you want to do, we'll do it. And, um, <laughs> you know, he he set guidelines and, and boundaries as far as, you know, if we're going to, if I'm going to pay for pitching lessons, then we're going to practice. If you don't practice during the week, I'm not paying for your lesson, like that kind of thing. Um, but I, you can probably count on one hand how many times he had to tell me, like, no, you need to practice today um, because I liked what I was doing. You had your thing. Yeah, I found I found what I felt like I was created to do, um, which goes back to it was the same time I had to write a fifth grade paper on your gift. Like you had to write. What a, was it? Well, originally when we were starting it, um, my mom's like, well, you're a good soccer goalie. Write about that. I'm like, uh, it's called a gift. You usually like your gifts. Like, I don't like that one. <laughs> And so So my mom tells the story of after my first or second pitching lesson, like I came running in the house and was like, I found my gift. I found my gift. And I'm sure the coach had probably said something about, oh, she's a natural, even though I I, I wasn't really like it. I'm sure you were. 
But I loved learning about it and I loved doing it, even though it was still very new to me. And so that's, I, I just love There's that. a saying that um, Chris Christopherson told me that, that I can't remember who said it, but it said, if you find your gift, if yeah, you find your gift, which a lot of people don't do. Right. And you, and you don't acknowledge it and go forth, mm-hmm. then you're destined to hell. <laughs> I mean, but it, it is. It's like. You it's true, find, though. It is true. You find what you love. And, if and you find what it. you love and you don't do it, then you're. Right. You're withdrawing from something right. that people would die for. Yeah. And that's why I think like I'll tell I forever will say basketball was my first love. But there was a point in time where I loved both. But I loved the aspect of pitching and learning all the ins and outs of it and trying to be as great at it as I could. Like it, that slowly transferred to pitching instead of softball or instead of basketball. Right. But. So what are you doing now? Like to, to push that forward? What am I doing now? Um, so I retired from playing in September. Um, so I'm officially done being a professional athlete. Um, I, wah, 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 wah. I know, right? Well, <laughs> Um, it's okay. It, it's time. Could you still do it? Yeah. I mean, I can still pitch. Um, I pitched, I, this last year was a little bit trying, but, I, I can still physically do it. Um, it's more of the, the mental and emotional, like the second I, I've always told myself the second I don't enjoy the grind. Um, and the, not the that, grind. Yeah. And not that the grind's always enjoyable, but you can always look back and be like, Oh, so worth it. And like the day I wake up and say, I don't want to go through the grind is the time. And, and that's where I, I wish, I wish music had that moment. Yeah. <laughs> There's sometimes where I'm like, up. God damn. Yeah. But I wish, you're, I, you're wish I could up, retire. You're waking up saying that might be self-induced sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> or environmental. environmental <laughs> Maybe. <induced>. Shut up. <laughs> That's why I asked how many how many softballs were you really seeing when you got back to the catch? Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was not one. And if it was doing this on you, how many? It was a good one. <laughs> it was like, let me. Um, hey, I caught it. You did. You some <laughs> magnificently did. I've now thought back on that and go, if he would have swung and done that foul tip where it went straight back, you would have been screwed. Yeah, but he wasn't close to it. Yeah, because you you knew where to go. Yeah, he wasn't close to it. <laughs> well, and then year two, you came running in mid-inning. They put me into pitch, and you just came. I'm here. I think you were on the other team, too. I don't even think you were on my team. <laughs> I don't know. You were not going to let anyone else be my catcher. It was no. you or no one. Um, I don't think you really realize how enamored I am with you. I think My, my wife last night goes, I go, Shoes, what are you doing tomorrow? I go, I'm doing a podcast with Kat Osterman. And she goes, oh, your girlfriend? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> That's awesome. It's cool, though, because I think, too, and again, and you talking about kind of like how the music I like is not really on the radio. Um, so I feel like maybe, and I could be off base, but there's probably times that I'll, I'll just generically say you guys who are primarily not on the radio every day can feel like you're unknown to a certain extent to people. And I think it's the same because I'm a female athlete in a sport that's not necessarily one of the primetime female that's sports. Right. And so I can I 
can feel that way too. And, it, and you know, you obviously learn to continue your craft regardless because you have your pocket of people who do know and who appreciate what you do. Um, so it's kind of cool. That's what when they kept telling me you want to be on the podcast. I'm like, he really wants me on his like, he's music. I'm softball, but sure, I'll make it work. No, that's, um, that's but how it's really cool. It's it's interesting how that those interact. Yeah, because it is true. Like, I do my deal, always have right, and started it before I thought it could be a career. Yeah, and. And you do your deal, even though you know it can't really be that big because it's, there's no pro league. Yeah. There's nowhere to go. Right. Yeah. That's why I was so excited when you came back for the Olympics. I'm like, oh, good. Another chance to watch her kick ass. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just a thing. It's When you do something for the – I mean, I have to make a living. Right. That's why I'm doing this. Yeah. That's why I go play shows. I know I have to in order to do what I do. Yeah. To do the enjoyable like, part. To do the to to write songs, to pitch, to be the best, for me to be the best or to try to be the best. That's that's the only reason to do it. Yeah. That's why we've talked for 70 minutes. Whatever works. Well, it's cuz I really do love being around people who understand what it means to to chase greatness to be the best yeah you want to be around this like you know what you're doing to chase it so what how do other people do it yeah and how did babe ruth do it right yeah and tiger woods and yeah. anybody else anybody else that's why i love hanging out with roger clemens he, yeah. he's fucking amazing yeah <laughs> like he's a, he, yeah I mean, but then you look at it and it's, as you said, like when you asked, would you have been great at anything that I tried? Like, probably not, but I also wouldn't have continued to try something that I knew I wasn't going to be great at. Right. Like I, I've only known one person my whole life and God bless my brother. <laughs> he's, he's now six, eight, but didn't play sports in college, but he loved baseball, but, and went to lessons and, you know, worked on his swing. And my dad was always like, oh, he had a great lesson. He was crushing the ball in the cage. Then he'd go play a game and he was terrible. He didn't have it. No. And my dad would be like, he works so hard. It just doesn't translate. But yet somehow he still loved it. I'm <laughs> Does like, he I know don't. that? And is he cool with it? I think he is now. Yeah. I mean, he's still into baseball. He loves following, you know, MLB and all of that. And he blows up our family chat about, you know, the trades and this and that. But, but yeah, I mean, and he'll say, he's like, I just wasn't very good at it. And That's I'm like, so I, funny. and to me, I'm like, how, how did you love it that much? When you, like, <laughs> yeah, how do you love something you're not the best right, at? Right. It's a foreign concept. So that's where like golf, well, like, I probably will give it a third try here. At it's some funny point, to me because like, I just know I'm not, I just my know brother I'm not was great, great at, at golf. Yeah. And I was, and I, I learned how to be great at music by trying to be great at golf. There you go. Like when I'm yeah. picked up music, I go, Oh, this is what it feels like to be to be good. <laughs> to be Before like get better. To right. really know where you're going. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. Hey Kat. Um, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's fun to hang out with you. It's fun to talk to you. It's fun to get to know you. It was a good time. Appreciate you. Thank you for listening to the Jack and Around Show. For more information, visit jackandaroundshow.com.